Hello, and welcome to Weed and Grub. Does, what's his name, Pippi and Mary? Pipe, who are they? The twins. I'm not saying. Come on. No, you know. I Pippin mm-hmm. and Mary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Do they, they better, they either got to die, get out of the way, <laughs> or like, or like step up. This is I no love the time. Lord of the Rings related frustration that you're experiencing right now. It's so fucking crazy that you've never seen those movies. I don't know anything about them. My pops tried to get me to read the books. Um, and I loved reading the book that's like adjacent to it for me about the, the universe. No, what? 32 and the universe and stuff like that. Are you talking about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, yeah. not related to Lord of the Rings. Oh <laughs> yeah. my fucking God, I'm yeah, going to yeah. fucking... No, yeah, Hitchhiker's and I kind Guide of like to the Galaxy book. is, is an entirely separate and wonderful series. Yeah. Not related. Okay, well then I got... No, I then And it's I, 42. 42. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. I um I tried to start the Hobbit and it just didn't stick with me because of where whatever reasons it didn't stick so I never dove into the books. And now I'm getting, you know, Sam Knuckles, friend of the show, friend yeah. in real life. Yes, recently He's married. Recently Congrats, married. Congrats, Sam. Yeah, chef to the stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, "Dude, those are the best movies. Those are the best books. I've reread them all a million times." And I'm like, yeah. "Well, then how come nobody's talking about Pippin and Mary like <laughs> ru- ruining Frodo's life? Like that if nothing else, this is a lesson in like keeping your circle tight and getting rid of the dead weight." You this is also I would I would argue that this is a lesson in like sticking through the whole thing and seeing what true friends are, what they mean. That's what I'm saying. Like how I'm, they show up in the end. As I keep we'll getting dabbed out, word because yeah. I'm I'm ready for them to be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so fucking. They're annoying. They're like they're supposed to be comic relief, but it's just like a constant series of things that get them into terrible trouble and almost killed every single time. Every single time. Yeah. Like all you have to do is nothing. Yeah. And you can't help yourself to do nothing. Totally. But I've been that person. You've never had a bucket on your head and another one on your foot and you're going, whoa, 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 while orcs are after you? Well, not not in that way, but like sometimes I just can't help sticking my finger into something and just being like, well, what is this going to do? What is this going to do? I'm poking at it. You know what I mean? I'm an instigator. Not when life is on the line. Totally. Totally when life is on the line? Absolutely. We are not. I love my eyes boil for a fight all the time. Oh my god! <laughs> also, can I say something about like the universe and everything? Um, the answer being forty-two. Yeah, isn't that your cutoff date for when people are allowed to be politicians? I've thought a lot about that tweet, and wow, honestly, maybe yeah, that's 42, where you got it from. Maybe that's where I got it from. That's the answer to life, the universe, and everything, according to Douglas Adams. Yeah, forty-two. Hmm. Hmm. And it was my hockey number. Hmm. There's a lot going on in here. To Wait, unpack. it was. I deleted that tweet, by the way. <laughs> Well, because, yeah, I mean, you know. What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? I deleted that tweet. I know. Because I'm so angry at uh, our politicians, but it's misdirected ageism when I'm calling for only young dope people to make dope decisions for us. Right. And I I was like, yo, okay, I'm over 42. Also, being old is not the same as being out of touch. You can be old and fucking awesome. Right. 
and there are so many older and old people doing fucking cool shit in the world like Jane Goodall comes to mind you know what I mean like important shit and we should listen to our fucking elders and that's how we learn but I totally get it that like irritating old fucking lizards like Mitch fucking McConnell are like ruining things for everyone coming after him and you want him to just like go yeah. away go away go away but it's the wrong it's the wrong line to divide people with the but, line to the the line to divide good and evil should be a very clear line and mm-hmm. it, it isn't about age but i get i mean you know your sentiment is like it's the same as you know never trust anyone over 30 that was the fucking oh, really? statement in the 60s during the vietnam war hmm. yeah all of the fucking people who were being drafted they were like you're sending us to war for something that you fucked up and we're dying for it, never trust anyone over 30. So you've like upped it to 42. Yeah. But because I'm older than that, I'm, I'm like, yo, dude, <laughs> I'm okay, right? Like, I don't want to be shut down and told that I don't have a voice because I'm over a certain age, you know? You're not in politics and those who are, I just need, I just need also, politicians. Also, I'm awesome. Hello. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, no, no, no. You are awesome. That is so, yes, you are Jeez. fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm fucking up left and, and right. I'm not, no, you're not fucking up. I mean, I'm glad to talk about it with you. I'm not in politics, but I might want to be, you know? Like I think about right it every now, day. More than, well, now more than ever. Oh my God. Well, let's get into that in a second. Platitude. Let's put a pin in that and let's then come back to now more than ever. In that platitude. Do you really okay. think about getting into politics right now? I think about doing what my friend Meg is doing, which is getting involved at a local, like a city level. She um, ran for a position in Brooklyn. I can't even remember what it is, but she works on like a local council in Brooklyn. And that on grassroots level, she's supporting candidates who then support higher up candidates. And so, so she's a part of that whole system in a really cool, effective way for where she lives Mm. and um she just is so active and fucking educated about everything that's happening and she educates all of her friends who she's like come to me if you have questions about a candidate or you want to know anything about this policy or this bill or whatever and it's fucking cool and i would love to do that sort of thing to feel engaged useful and channel some of this fury that i have into something productive that's a positive supernova because it shoots out in ways that will affect like you know the waves that you might not even see yeah you know like you know the 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 squad and the congresswomen like uh aoc Uh you know all of those women like they are so furious but they are all channeling it into something so wonderful that is changing the world and they're so inspiring to me and they're also all fucking young and energized and it's just fucking cool to see so i um yeah, I'm inspired by them, and I would love to join them on some level at some point, you know, very soon. Right now. Right now. I'm announcing my candidacy for mayor of my house. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Archie? You He's on board. put a sign in your front yard. Yeah. And then... <laughs> I'm in charge here. <laughs> Which is basically... Oh, I don't even want to fucking bring that shit up. <laughs> Anywho. Well, I mean, yo, it gets into what we were going to talk about in the cannabis world this yeah. week. Yeah. Because I think about throwing my comedy career away every day Mm. because of covid and because of corona and because there's it just i feel less funny the more and more i feel Mm. and uh and i'm like yo but i can hit this fucking cannabis thing head on because i i know what i know i believe what i believe and i think my heart's in the right fucking place Mm -hmm. and it's not with people like boehner and it's not with acreage holding posting what is like kind of an all lives matter instagram post the other day wait who did uh acreage holding oh yeah. Really? Did you I, watch the Hassan Minaj uh, I, yes. uh, uh, Patriot Act yes, on cannabis? I did. Yeah. So I watched that the other night, 
and it was a pretty good overall view. Like they crammed a lot into 22 minutes. That's a lot of info. It's so much info. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to dig deep, now you can take the onus upon yourself to dig deep from the the broad strokes yeah. that they provided. He really unpacks how legal marijuana is rigged. Yeah. Like that's a big part of it. Um, and I thought, yeah, they did a really good job. Yeah. It was, it was a nice job of like, of, of being like, yo, if you don't have a hundred mil, you're out of here. And they're already squeezing out like the farmers who put their livelihood on the line to yeah. try and make something of themselves. Like yep. it's not even fucking federally legal yet. And small business is being fucking wedged out. Yeah. So like our fucking guest today, like our fucking guest today. Yeah, exactly. Um, before we get to our guest who kind yes. of, he warmed my heart and filled my soul. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the weed industry and where it is right now, since we're all feeling bothered as fuck. So yeah. Are you going to run for mayor of cannabis? Oh, interesting. <laughs> no, I don't want to be mayor. I just like, I think I'm thinking, so, I talk about it on here a lot mm-hmm. and the more, and you know, the more I want to burn it all down, meaning, you know, just do things the right way for community mm-hmm. instead of for profit. Um, not that there's anything wrong with making money, but when it takes, when it puts people, when it kills people, it's super wrong. Well, it's conscious capitalism that you're after, right? Ooh, thank you. Mm. Okay, so I'm running with Mary Jane. Uh, we're running together. <laughs> co-mayor. Con- co-mayor. Co-mayors, yeah, of conscious capitalism. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, I fucking defund the police. Black Lives Matter. And in the cannabis game, Nobody's too many people aren't standing for anything because they are. I don't even want to speak for them. I'm just not seeing much popping. Yeah, it's been a fucking bummer. And there's an amazing accountability list that was uh, posted today on Canaclusive at Canaclusive. You can follow them on Instagram and click the link in their bio. And there's an accountability list that is being updated all the time. It's a live document with cannabis companies, what they've done, what the statement is that they've released, whether or not they've released a statement in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, and how many people of color are employed by the company. Um, Just notes, like a a whole series of notes that you can read through. Like I was really fucking disappointed that there was a company that I really love that had blocked and deleted Instagram comments with people who were questioning their fucking lack of support for the movement. Like this company was just like, nope, and they blocked and deleted people. It's just crazy. So check that out because it's really important, I think, right now to, you know, invest your money and your fucking, you know, energy with and your voice into companies that are doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, I'm embarrassed that I can't donate more. Yeah. All the fucking time. All the fucking time. Me too. It's like it's I'm like embarrassed that I'm not rich. Is that weird to say? Not at all. I mean, embarrassed is, I think, a strong way to feel about it. But but I feel guilty I, about it because, yeah. like, if I had if I had like a fucking bag, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want that bag to go to things I believe in. Yeah. And I don't have that bag, and I get embarrassed about that. And there are cannabis companies with that bag who are doing nothing with it to give back to the communities that built the movement. Yeah. Nothing. And you know, there are obviously companies that are doing. Good work, great work in some cases, and uh, yeah. Anyway, Canaclusive is one of the collectives that is holding businesses, cannabis and hemp businesses, accountable. Great, yeah, fucking right. Yeah, you know the other thing about Lord of the Rings that's driving me nuts. <laughs> what? I like everyone's like the extended cut, the extended cut. Like, are you watching extended or regular? Yeah. And it's like, I like. 
There's only so many hours in a day. <laughs> oh, like, I don't know what to do. It's, it's like the choice between three hours and four hours yeah. is a pretty big choice. It's a big choice. And it's it's. I'm still making a promise. I'm loving the movies. I need to get that out of the way. I'm fucking loving Aren't just getting dabbed out gorgeous? and watching these movies. Yeah. Um. So I will watch the extended probably sometime. Sure. Um. I had no idea like the kind of like uh uh. uh it was like the people who were like, dude, no, st- stop where you are. Yeah. Dive into extended. It'll answer so many more questions. And I'm like, oh, man, like this is a fandom that I haven't seen in so long that I'm really excited to like hear people touting. Like it's been a real big positive in my life to see how thrilled folks are about um, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Tolkien. I mean, there are people who go to school to learn how to speak Elvish. Like Tolkien. Wow, that's fucking cool. Created an entire world that people study for their lifetimes. So the fact that Peter Jackson made the trilogy as beautifully as he did and then released extra, you know, they all came out in the theaters and then there was the extended version. It was so thrilling. At the time, it was totally groundbreaking so much of the like the aspect ratio of like the hobbits next to Gandalf or any of the like it's crazy you'd never seen anything like that before 20 years ago so it's it's really cool to be watching with them watching that blah watching them with you again yeah and also to have like my own kind of pretty deep knowledge of Tolkien to be like I'm pretty excited by it when you're like who's that and I'm like well it's Boromir and it's Faramir's brother and he's played by actor Sean Bean (laughs) (laughs) I'm a nerd. I've always wondered about that stuff. upper back tattoo that's like this huge map. And I was like, what is the Shire? Why is there a map? All yeah, over and your smog back? is at the bottom of my neck right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my Shadow facts on your forearm. Yeah. Totally. Shadow facts. <laughs> that's so, so good. good. The other, Jinx, um, you should, uh, I don't know. I don't like Coca-Cola. Okay. Because they're not posting anything about BLM. Fuck so that. anyway, um <laughs> I, I the other thing I'm loving about it right now is like punching up the pizzas, the frozen pizzas in your fridge. Yeah. Because it's it's not enough anymore for me to just throw a pie in the oven. Mm-mm. But making a little bit of extra chicken breast, some some pickled jalapenos and some Listen. Parmesan cheese, when you pull that pizza out halfway through and top it up. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, like a Trader Joe's margarita pizza topped with goat cheese and pickled jalapenos and a little like roast chicken oh my god and then last <laughs> night you 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 served it up with some like blue cheese dipping sauce on the side you know it never in my life have i had such a crazy delicious pizza you know if it says 12 minutes at 400 degrees uh-huh. set your timer for eight yeah pull it out retop it let all that stuff get heated and melted mm-hmm. i'm talking like nobody's done this and everyone is screaming <laughs> yeah dude we all smoke weed and try our best to live great lives like everyone's yeah. like yeah dumb dumb yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people just order Domino's, which is totally fine. I lived on Domino's when I was like working cannabis cups and shit. And I would live in a house with a bunch of people who dabbed all day. Like Domino's was breakfast, lunch and dinner. Yeah. That was totally great. I, I have an affinity for it. I love the way those little pepperoni slices grease up real nice. But yeah. last thing then before we get to our incredible guest. OK. Speaking of Domino's. Yes. I was watching a YouTube video from uh, Rhett and Link's mythical kitchen okay and you know how you make the roast chicken and you put bread underneath it to soak it all up yeah it's a barefoot contessa recipe they took a roast chicken uh judged it mm-hmm. took old pizza from Domino's from the night before cut it up uh sauteed it with like carrots onions and just kind of sweat it all out to make stuffing stuffed that day old pizza into the roast chicken what? to make 
uh, day-old pizza stuffing, and then took old crazy bread, which is just garlic Parmesan bread, and put it underneath the same way that you would put sourdough underneath. And so all the fat and juice and drippings from the roast chicken soaked into that Domino's crazy bread in the skillet, and that's how they cooked that meal. It deserves a moment of silence because it's so fucking amazing. Yeah. That was the sound of my mind blowing. <laughs> it was just total quiet. But it's just an empty abyss. It's just like, what? Isn't that wild? Yeah. Wow. Mm. Oh, my God. So, okay. Yeah. That's, goals? That's, pizza goals? Pizza goals. Yeah. Next pizza goal, roast chicken. I mean, I made pizza dough uh, last weekend because I got some yeast and I was like, I think I could, I can't do bread. I'm not that fancy, but I could like attempt a pizza dough. So yeah, maybe we could try our own version. Yes. Yeah. Roast pizza or roast pizza. Roast, <laughs> you get it. Ro- ch- pizza stuffed roast chicken on top of crazy bread. Yeah. Okay. In a pan drip. We'll post pictures <laughs> if this happens. I might not survive the experience. That's the only problem. Just explode from joy in the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, let's get to our guest. Let's get to our awesome guest. We spoke with Ron Leggett this week. Ron Leggett is a social equity license holder for a cannabis business called Chiefing in Oakland, which was housed in the Magnolia Wellness Dispensary, which was robbed uh, during the wave of protests. Um, they believe it was people using the protests as cover. These were not protesters who who robbed Magnolia Wellness and Ron Leggett lost everything in the robberies um, and he was gracious enough to join us and talk to us about his business and and just how he and his GoFundMe link yep so if you can share that link support that link support him we out here supporting yeah so without further ado here's our interview with Ron Leggett What up, Mary Jane? How's it going, Mike? We have a great guest. Yeah, we have a fantastic guest. Thank you for joining us. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling the people listening a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. My name is Ron Leggett, and I own Chiefing Manufacturing in Oakland, California. It's a non-volatile manufacturing company, and we make pre-rolls. And we, you and I uh, were introduced by Debbie Goldsberry, who runs Magnolia Wellness. <laughs> <laughs> and because Chiefing was incubated in Magnolia as a social equity licensee, is that right? Correct, yes. Debbie's a rock star. She's so good to me. She's, from the first day we met, uh, she's just been amazing. That's awesome. I know that you know part of the reason that we were introduced was because Magnolia Wellness and Chiefing were hit in the robberies that happened uh, last weekend, like so many other businesses in cannabis were hit. And I am so sorry to hear it. And I just wanted to first start out by saying, like, how, how are you holding up? How are you doing in the aftermath of the robberies? I must admit, today was one of my up days. It's been a roller coaster ride for sure. Um, I can't say I never thought something like this was like out of the picture, but the, the the level of devastation and then I don't know the the timing of it was just I thought was really just odd in a way and it's just I still don't really understand it or can't put my can't put my mind around all the way because does it feel like targeted racism no I don't know if it was targeted racism but it definitely wasn't protesters this was um from my understanding, from the, what the overnight watchman said and and whatnot, that this was an organized group that came in 
with uh, weapons and uh, the heavy equipment and things like what, what they needed to get the job done. And then when the police did it um, come in a timely manner, I understand the whole city was pretty much, you know, burning down to say and what, but uh, it took them over an hour to get there and it provided the, the, the robbers plenty of time to do whatever they wanted to do. Man, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's just so crazy that especially that the uh, law enforcement were aware that armed robbers were targeting dispensaries and failed to notify businesses so you could protect yourselves. Exactly. If somebody would just said something Friday night and I don't know, an email, a text message or whatever, and just told us, hey, there's a rash last night of burglaries or armed robberies, whatever you want to call them. You might want to move your stuff to a safe location. I would have did it. And sat, uh, the first break-in was pretty much a total loss. And then when the next group or whoever came back the next night, uh, there was really nothing there to take. I mean, there was, you know, some things, but they just destroyed everything. What, whatever they didn't take, they just broke. And it, it was really... And that's that's what kind of I think the second night I think that's where it still hurts talking about it and uh, that's where it hits me because as a person of color myself uh, who's been a victim of a lot of you know institutional racism and the struggle of trying to get this business up and it feels like you know the deck is against you and you're just fighting 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 I put all this money into this business and I'm right there on the cusp of launching my first product and two weeks before the date when this happens, I, this thing happens, and it just devastated me. It, it is absolutely devastating. But I'll tell you, there's one really good thing about this, and it's the same way how you and I met. Um, I've met so many people in our community that have stepped up, and are in, I mean, it's incredible that we, we have the best community that I've ever been involved with before, and that comes from the heart. That's so cool to hear that the community support is, is helping right now. Can you talk a little bit about chiefing? Like, what, what, what were you going to launch on June 8th? And, and when you rebuild, what, what can we expect from you? So my first pre-roll that we were launching is called the Numero Uno. And it's a, uh, it's a blend of um, indica and sativa. It should test right around the 19, 20% range, hopefully. And it's uh, Ooh, that's my sweet spot. It, it, it's a nice spot, right? And it, it, I've personally picked it out myself, and, and I really like it. And I think a lot of other people are going to like it as well. So that's our first product. Out of this issue that came about, uh, I met some other people who've reached out to me in the industry, too, and have basically told me, Ron... Uh, we want to help. We just want to break even. You can come down, pick out whatever flower you want, whatever you want to do. I'll donate the tubes. I'll donate the labels, and I'll front you the flower. And it, it will help you get it in distribution. I mean, it, it just the whole chain and just how many emails and out the outpouring. That's the one thing that has kept me going, Mary Jane. That's the only thing that has kept me going because. Uh, Two or three days after that, I was telling my wife, I said, you know, I think this is it. I said, we put everything into it. We have nothing else left to put into it. And I, I really think that 
you know, I gave it my all, and I'm sorry that I blew the savings. And uh, she goes, no, 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 no. And then I said, well, you know, <clears throat> something might come out of it, right? And then Debbie opened up the GoFundMe the next day, and that changed everything. Yes. It really did. It changed everything. And God bless Debbie. God bless the community. That's the whole reason I'm talking to you, and I love it. I love it. I'm just looking up the GoFundMe right now because the last time I checked in on it, it was a little over halfway. And yeah, it's it's we're, we're going to share a link too, so so folks who are listening can contribute because it's it's getting there. It looks like a lot of people are sharing it if they can't donate and giving what they can if they're able to give a little money, and it's just really cool to see. And just the partnerships that I've received now too is is I'm telling you, it's the best thing. Talk about spinning something into a positive. That was a, a total loss negative. I just might come out of this ahead of where I was if, if everything works out. I mean, that's amazing, right? Yeah. Go figure. You know, a couple of days ago, yeah. I saw my wife. I thought it was all over. And then here I am thinking I, I might come out ahead. I can't believe Good. it. Good. You deserve to. Could you share with our listeners a little bit about your history, your story, the process of getting the, the license that you have now? People tell me I have a really good story. I just yeah. tell it as it is, as I tell them. <laughs> I just don't know if it's a great story. It's up to you guys, I guess, to determine if it's good or not. But um, both my parents are Native American. Um, my dad's family is from originally from Leggett, my last name. And Leggett is in the Northern California, where Highway 1 and 101 come to a point, that's Leggett. That's where the Second Trail of Tears was, and my dad's family is part of Second Trail of Tears and taking their Round Valley Covalo. Um, my mom is 100% Pomo, and she's from Ukiah. And, but both my parents um, met in Oakland because of the 1956 Indian Relocation Act. So they're both from that area. And then my brother and I were, uh, as I identify myself, a first-generation urban Native American because I was born here in Oakland on Old East 14th Street at Oakland Hospital. So uh, I have a lot of history with my family and whatnot of um, cultivation in that area from Ukiah on up, you know, to Covalo and above. And I just was always into it. But... Um, you know, I had other jobs and things like that at the time that just didn't allow me to really get into it the way I really wanted to be into it. So I was always, you know, mm -hmm. sneaking around and things like that and dabbling here and <laughs> dabbling there. And But it was always a part of my life, you know. And so I said, a friend of mine came to me because I was, uh, at the time, I was the executive director of the Oakland Food Pantry. And I was down at the uh, city hall for a meeting about food and what and things like that so um, this guy says hey did you hear about what's coming I said well, what are you talking about he said well the city of Oakland's going to open up cannabis um, anybody get a license and I said anybody can't get a license I said you know they already have that thing rigged I said whoever's going to win they, they already know who's going to win and he said, no, he goes, you might want to try. I think you might be a good fit for it. So anyway, I said, well, I thought about it. And I went home again, you know, sitting down with my wife. And I said, you know what? If I don't try, I'll kick myself for the rest of my life. So I at least mm -hmm. got to put my name in the hat to say, right? 
So we filled out the dispensary application forms and I actually won one of the dispensary permits in 2018 as well. Um, I've had a really hard time finding funding for it and um, just it has this equity component to it that you know I haven't really seen uh, many of the deals that reflect the, the intent of the equity program so I really just can't sign it as well because it has that equity component to it so it's been tough. It, Meaning you would give away a lot of the dispensary by opening one? Well it wouldn't be so bad yes I mean it's a 50 pretty much a 50-50 deal um, but I haven't seen anybody offer me anything close to that deal and I, I always say if someone came to me with something that was reflected the intent of the Oakland equity program it would be a slam dunk um, but I just mm -hmm. haven't seen that yet and it's been a very uh, competitive and aggressive um, market um, of investors that I've that I've seen and I just can't do it because my background is really community-based and um, that's how I found out about the whole thing is because I was at you know something at City Hall for the food pantry so I, I figured I'd apply I won in the meantime uh, I was going to an equity meeting let me back up I was going to Oaksterdam at the time <laughs> I decide, oh, wow. I decide to learn how to grow just to get learn everything so I took the horticulture and the classic semester course so I stayed there a little over a year met everybody loved Dale everybody it was just a great time another great community and uh, at the time I was there and I met um, one of the instructors after class and I gave him my business card that I was the, the executive director of the Oakland Food Pantry so he goes, wow, he goes, you know, um, have you ever met Debbie Goldsberry at Magnolia? And I said, no, I haven't. He goes, come by tomorrow, and I'd like to introduce you guys. So we started a, a food program to where I would take food to, to Debbie's place, dispensary, and then Debbie would have food for, uh, she would put it on her Facebook page, and then they would uh, have people come in who needed the food, and they would get it. So we had that going on for a while and never knew, she never knew what I was trying to do or attempting to do. Mm -hmm. She just knew that I was going to Oaksterdam. So anyway, I go to an equity mixer that the city was hosting and the, um, the stairs that lead up to this platform and I'm walking up the stairs and Debbie is walking on the platform. We meet at the same exact time. And she looks at me, we know each other because we've been doing the food thing for, you know, several months now. And she goes, what are you doing here? I said, I'm looking for an <laughs> equity mixer thing. And she goes, hold on, don't go anywhere. So then uh, that was the how Debbie and I met. And, and that's how Chiefing ended up at Magnolia. And then, of course, then the break-ins happened. And then that's how Debbie and I are like this. And uh, yeah. it's now we're even closer than ever since we've gone through this traumatic, you know, uh, incident together. And you know, I really feel what a crazy you know, I, time. <laughs> I really feel for Magnolia as well because, as bad as I got hit and mine was a total loss, so was theirs. And and just to show everybody how big her heart is, before they even started 
uh, their GoFundMe. They launched my GoFundMe for me. And I, I thought that was a really, really nice thing and a very classy thing to do. And I, and I really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. That's awesome to hear. I uh, have been following everything on Facebook, reading the Magnolia Wellness page and, and just seeing the updates for you know what, what they're going through. And it sounds like they're you know, trying to reopen within the next couple of weeks. But one of the things that uh, Debbie said on her Facebook was that they're not going to reopen until they know that law enforcement is going to be able to respond to some of these robberies. Totally. Um, totally. Because it seems like they, they kind of left Magnolia Wellness and, and Chiefing, like, high and dry. They didn't respond. That's, that's how I feel. And then I feel for the landlord. The landlord came in after the first break-in, sealed up the building, did all this work, and then they came back in the, the very that same night and did even more damage than they did the first night when they came in. So now it's all boarded up and we don't even have access to anything. I can't even go in there if I wanted to start cleaning up and finish cleaning up. It's just a total, when I saw it, I just looked in there and it was a, it was a total loss. Yeah, the pictures are crazy. And I was looking uh, at some of the pictures of the destruction of your place and it looks like there are bullets lodged in some of the electronic equipment yeah, so they shot my dvr two times with the nine millimeter one of the rounds went straight through the dvr and was lodged in the floor the other one was stuck in the dvr the third one ricocheted off the top and is lodged in the wall um, they're lucky someone didn't really get hurt in there that night as if there was 20 people oh running God. around in there and someone shooting a gun and Possibly, possibility of ricocheting as well and I mean, it was there it's just they really got lucky in a way and then the amazing art of technology I'm a little bit older I'm not that hot with technology I'm still constantly learning and struggling with it but the police were able to um, pull footage out of there they said I haven't seen any of it and they said that they have um, possible faces that they can recognize maybe and they asked me if I wanted to press charges if they could catch in catch them and I told them yes I would because like I said these aren't protesters these are these were these were criminals these, so I also was learning through your story about how insurance is able to skirt around um, paying anything because of loophole after loophole it always seems like that. Ever since we were kids, when we used to watch cartoons, I was telling a friend of mine, I said, I don't know if you remember a long time ago, there was this old cartoon where they was, they said something about, well, you, you're not covered unless it's, uh, unless there's a pack of wild elephants running through or something. Then in the cartoons, <laughs> there's a wild elephant herd that ran through. And so yeah. when I was very nice people, you know, and I've had them for a while, but you know, it's just in the policy on how the underwriters and the carriers and all them set these things up, I guess, to where cannabis just is not covered the way other businesses are covered. And it's unfortunate that they don't, it appears that they don't want to write the policies to cover us to where product and cash and other things like that are, are covered where in other businesses you lost all your inventory it, it would probably be covered and that's why when the police came and he said well how much do you think you lost and I said well you know 
He goes, well, just give me a toll. He didn't even let me finish. And he goes, well, just give me a toll. I said, well, I think it's around 20 grand just by standing here looking at it. I said, I don't know. I don't even know what's missing totally. I still need to go through everything. And probably next week I'll still be saying, oh, that thing too. And this thing or might be a year by the time I realize it. And, and then he goes, oh, that's it. Best Buy lost a million dollars the other night. And I... Just the, the wow. vibe that was thrown at me when he said it. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. It's one of my problems sometimes. And I looked at him. I said, yeah, but they're probably fully insured as well. And he just looked at me and his buddy looked at me. And I was thinking, oh, no. I said, I better just keep my mouth shut and get my report number and thank him and, and just let him go. But it was it kind of felt like they were belittling that, you know, I, I only had, you know, X amount of cash in there and, Luckily, you know, my first run was supposed to start yesterday. So it, I was very lucky that I didn't lose really everything total, you know, that I could have lost. You know, I lost. Because the cannabis wasn't on site, you mean? Like yes. your, the product yeah. wasn't so there So it's yet. all paid for, yeah. but it's still at the facility. COVID-19 saved me of all things. <laughs> I've been bowing. <laughs> Because uh, where I was having them manufactured for me, they had some issues in their county where they had to come up um, and some develop some other processes within their manufacturing uh, building to where they had to stop. And because of that stoppage that they had, I was sitting here without, because I was supposed to have my stuff out and it, it was almost, it was almost total devastation to where I unless like this you know miracle angel person would come through and bail me out but other than that i really got lucky in in a sense that it was still at the it was still at the manufacturing facility waiting to be manufactured i've been learning so much about the insurance and you know the fact that you know cannabis being illegal at a federal level means that they're not you know cannabis businesses don't have access to safe banking because most financial institutions won't work with the cannabis industry, which means that insurance companies won't cover the cannabis industry. So even though it's been declared an essential business, you still don't have access to federal relief. It's it, The whole thing is infuriating. It just must be like such a, a crazy place to be in as a business owner. And that's why I always refer to the deck being stacked against us. You know, as long as we don't have banking, unfortunately, I hate to say it, we're gonna be sitting ducks. And that's one of the things when I was laying on my bed, curled up in a ball, thinking and whatnot after this all happened, I was I was saying as long as we don't have banking, we'll we'll always be in in jeopardy of losing. You know, we can replace a lot of other things as equipment and and, and things like that, but when it comes to cash and product, it is 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 it's going to be hard to not only get them insured but just to replace them. And I was speaking to another equity applicant friend of mine who had $250,000 um, that was front, uh, a product that was fronted to him from a cultivator that he had in several dispensaries. And all of those dispensaries were also hit, meaning he lost and he's out because none of that stuff was insured in any way, shape or form. So he's, he's even worse in than I am. And I really feel for, I can imagine there's a lot of other stories out there. And I can really feel for all the people like me who's, you know, put everything they have into these, into these businesses. And then we got wiped out and 
it's it's really hard to uh, say you know I, I'll be back <clears throat> because mm -hmm. when you put everything into it uh, there's nothing to put in there anymore to guarantee that you'll be back and that's why the GoFundMe was the biggest thing for me ever well, we'll definitely put a link to the GoFundMe in the show notes. And where can people find you to follow your journey? Well, <clears throat> I'm working on the website now. And then I'm working on a lot of different social media platforms, just getting them going. Uh, it's just right this moment, I honestly kind of went into a hibernation phase. And I'm just coming out of it. Um, but I look to have all these things up and running by the end of the month to where people can find me. And... Uh, it, I know I'm kind of hard to find right now. It's it's kind of funny. People always say it. it you know, when I can't, I have two daughters at home, and my wife and two daughters. So one of the things that has always been um, one of my main concerns and my wife's concerns is is maintaining our um, our sense of safety as well. Um, you know, in order to be an equity applicant in Oakland, you have to live in a certain police beat in the city that has a higher rate of crime than other ones. So as an equity applicant living in a higher, you know, police beat that has a higher rate of crime, and I'd, I'd just try to um, stay as low as I possibly can. And like my buddy always says, hey, man, the same way you've been doing for the last 35 years, man, just operate low and, you know, and, until you can get out of there. So that's the goal is uh, this has always been a dream of mine. I never thought I'd see this come about in my lifetime. So when I saw it come about, I, that's why I said I had to jump in and try it. And, and now I, I really think I am going to be successful at it. Um, coming out of this, this, the phoenix will rise. And I, I think that uh, the next step is we'll be launching some different products. I'm looking at doing some minis. And then I'm looking at doing a double packed where we have two pre-rolls stuffed into one tube as well. So that's some of the other things that I'm working on with this other gentleman that I met through this process. So hopefully I'll have two or three SKUs coming out in the next uh, month or so as well. Great. I can't wait to check it out next time we're in the Bay Area and, uh, and come through and say hello in person. For sure. For sure. Also, the, it's, it's kind of beautiful to hear you share your story and how you've worked with the community and given back to the community. and. For me, weed is all about community. It's how I've made my closest friends. It's how I've met the people that are dearest to me. And so uh, there's something like positive, maybe. I'm not sure what the word is about just hearing the community being there for you also, the way you've been here for it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's all about community. I've always, my family's already been, always been community-based. Uh, I remember standing in lines to get cheese and things like that with my mom. Um, I was raised by a single mom, and uh, I just I understood that. And then that's why the whole food pantry thing originated out of a, a dinner conversation with a friend of mine. Um, we were sitting down discussing, both from Oakland, lifelong residents, and we were discussing what we thought the major issues were in in the city of Oakland and then we took it a little bit deeper and we said well what are the root causes of those issues and then we 
you know, got a napkin out, we were drawing on, we were all, you know, there's food, so we put hunger and safety and shelter. And then we said, I said, well, what do you think's the easiest one to do out of the three? He goes, food, food by far. So we left it at that and, and I woke up the next morning and know what happened that night. And there was a drive inside of me that I woke up that next morning and that's what I was gonna do. That's all I had on my mind. That's exactly, I knew that's what I was had to do. So I called up my buddy and I said, hey, Ray, I said, I had this uh, this thought. And he goes, I had the same thought you had. And I said, what do you mean? <laughs> and he goes, let's do it. And I said, what do you, I said, feed people? He goes, yes. And we both had pickups at the time and two little Toyota pickups. And um, <clears throat> we used to drive around because we're both from Oakland. We'd drive around and, and we'd, identified all these different places that had food and I said well you know my my cousins my wife's cousins brothers dogs sister works at that <laughs> Safeway and maybe I can get a connection there and so that's what we start doing and he goes oh I know a lady who uh, works at this restaurant maybe they could get us something so we start going around hustling food at all these places we didn't even have a 501c3 at the time. It was just a thought in our head. And he said, well, where do you want to take this food? I said, let's take it to West Oakland. Because traditionally, West Oakland has always been the poorer part of Oakland. And it's, a, uh, it's been a food desert for over 50 years, meaning that there's mm -hmm. no grocery store or healthy food source within X amount of miles. And it's been like that for 50 years. So there's liquor stores and other things like that. So we went down to like the roughest part of West Oakland, set up these um, folding tables and put out all the stuff we had. Instantly, it was a hit. People were coming out and we looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, I didn't realize how much of a need there really was. And this was back in 2010. And <clears throat> so we kept going and going and we uh, filed for the 501c3 and received it in two, that June of 2011 and uh, he ended up having to do some other things and I took over and then at our peak of the food pantry we were doing 500,000 pounds of food a year with an estimated value of $750,000 so from an idea wow. from a dinner napkin all the way to that it was just one heck of a ride and I recently handed it off to somebody else and so I could transition into my new arena as I call it which is the cannabis industry mm -hmm. and I'm trying to, I'm hoping to have that same success that I had there in in the cannabis industry you will you will <laughs> absolutely will Ron thank you so so much thank you it's been a pleasure you guys I really appreciate it yeah thank you so much um, if you would like to learn more about Ron, Mary Jane said, we will be posting a bunch of links with this show episode and on our IG. And you can check out our IG at Weed and Grub or email us at wg at weedandgrub.com. Thanks so much, Ron. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.